You know how much I love stories, especially using stories to teach valuable life lessons, and especially good stories about rebel women who can inspire your daughters. For instance, did you know that eminent primatologist Jane Goodall was laughed at for her dream of living in Africa and working with animals at the age of eight? Luckily, her mom supported her dream. The fun thing about the podcast, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, is that it features an all-star cast of narrators reading the real-life journeys of amazing women who changed our world. Like comedian Alana Glazer, who read the story of Vice President Kamala Harris. Or science educator Lindsay Murphy, telling us all about the young chemist Alice Ball. Rebel Girls is on a mission to empower a diverse community of girls from all over the world to live in confidence. And there's new episodes that drop every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. So, whether your daughter is a budding scientist, or or a writer, or an activist, or a U.S. Vice President, she will find stories of girls and women she can relate to in the podcast, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. And and these stories are going to inspire her to dream really big. Folks, welcome back to Raising Daughters. Dr. Tim Jordan here. And as I always say, if you're the kind of parent who wants to be and remain an influence in your daughter's life now and throughout the teen years and beyond, you are always in the right place on Raising Daughters. And the topic today was triggered when I saw a new report that came out. The report was um, through NBC News um, on, uh, and a challenge success survey. Uh, the survey at last fall of, of 2020, it surveyed more than 10,000 students in 12 United States high schools, and they found some results that were disturbing, the effects of the COVID pandemic. But what I want to focus on today is why girls are suffering more from this COVID pandemic than boys. I'm going to explain the, the, the places where girls are suffering more, why they have, and the effect on them has been more, and try and talk about maybe why that's true. But at the end, I want to talk a little bit about why I'm optimistic, despite all the data and the surveys and the angst that we have. I think the COVID pandemic has negatively affected girls more than boys, especially in the areas of things like stress, anxiety, the ability to cope, mental health kinds of things, if you will. There's also been uh, shown that there's been an increase in school-related stress in kids, uh, less academic motivation, an increase in somatic complaints like stomach aches and headaches. There's been a rise in eating disorders, a rise in suicidal thoughts and visits to the emergency room for suicidal ideations, and also a rise in anger. Now, boys are also struggling through this pandemic as well, as well as their parents. But females have been hit the hardest. Girls have been hit harder than boys and their parents. Let me take you back to a survey I've talked about before. It's the yearly National College Health Assessment. And they've, they've been looking at the mental health uh, statistics for female and male students in college for about the past 10 or so years. And every year, the amount of mental health issues for college students has been rising. Every year it's gone up, but especially for women. So these are the latest data they've had. That was in the, uh, 2019. I have not seen the 2020 data yet because it's not, not out. But listen to these concerning statistics about women in college. And by the way, I'm going to give you about oh, about eight different uh, areas of, of concern. And with each and every one of those, women rated much higher than men. For instance, 
um, the amount of girls who in the last 12 months in college felt very lonely, 68%. The amount that felt very sad, 75%. The amount of college women who had overwhelming anxiety within the past 12 months, 72%. The number who were so depressed it was hard to function, 48%. The ones who felt that things were hopeless, 59%. And the amount of women who felt overwhelmed by all they had to do, 92%. And all of those concerning numbers were before the pandemic hit. So I'm sure that these percentages are going to be much higher uh, when they're, when they're uh, put out uh, this year. More, and especially more higher than their male, uh, their male uh, counterpoints. Higher than boys. So if a, if a woman's very lonely was 68%, the men's was like down to the 30s or 40%. So that's one thing. Those college statistics have been that way for the past 10 years. And every year they've increased a little bit, which is concerning. That recent study from the NBC News and the Challenge Success Survey also showed some other statistics. Students have been experiencing higher, high le- higher levels of stress for, for years. But the pandemic has exa- exacerbated that trend in many ways. For instance, 63% of female students versus 48% of male students report an increase in school-related stress. 63% females versus 40% males. And 63% of students who identify as black and Hispanic um, versus 55% of students who identified as being white. So females and uh, women of color were doing worse. Females cite mental health as a source of stress at more than twice the frequency of their male classmates. 83% of students reported in the study of having at least one stress-related physical health symptom. And that statistic was higher for the females at 92% than the males at 72%. 92% of of girls reported at least one stress-related physical symptom. 63% 63% of female students report that college-related worries have an increase compared to only 50% of their male counterparts. Only 35% of students report that they're quite or very confident in their ability to cope with these stresses. The percentage was even higher for, fe- I'm sorry, was lower for females. Only 24% thought that they were confident in their ability to handle the stresses uh, during the pandemic. And Hispanic Latino students, it was only 31%. There's another category which is interesting. They, they call it the doing school students. That meant, that meant students who were just kind of putting the time in, the ones who really weren't into it. They had lost their joy. They had lost the sense of purpose for school, just going through the motions. That had increased to 48% of students. And the higher percentage went to females once again. Females reported doing school in, in the fall of 2020, 53% compared to the year before at 48%. 53% of girls are saying they've lost their joy of learning, their love of learning, and the purpose for going to school. They may be going, they're going through the motions, they're, trying, they're giving it their best shot, but, they, but they're unmotivated. And I've been finding that in my counseling practice, in my retreats, uh, my summer camps when girls sit in circles. A lot of them are talking about how, how they've lost their motivation for school. Let's switch, switch gears for a moment and talk a little bit about Maybe why that's true for girls versus boys. What are some of the reasons why girls are suffering more than boys during this pandemic? Um, I think about it, this really interesting metaphor that I read about years ago. 
about the blue crab who lives up in New England. This blue crab has a very rigid exoskeleton, like a hard shell. In order for it to grow bigger, it has to periodically shed the smaller shell through a process they call molting. So what happens is the crab stops eating, he seeks shelter in order to avoid predators, and his body rapidly absorbs water, causing his tissues to swell and swell and swell until eventually it splits the old shell open. And then the crab begins a very slow process of backing out of the old shell that's then discarded. Um, the crab grows really slowly inside the new shell until there's no more room to grow inside, and then the molting process starts over. Uh, females, female crabs molt 18 to 20 times during their lifetime. And this molting takes energy. It takes time to focus on themselves. And the soft-shell crab is very vulnerable to predators during this process. It ends up hiding in rocks, hiding in vegetation, burying itself in the mud or the sand because they're vulnerable to predators, including other crabs. And I think that's a good metaphor for our girls during adolescence. I think our girls are vulnerable during the adolescent period. Lots of things start happening for them that makes them at risk. Things like the changes of puberty, the changes in their body, which, which are not prepared for or are educated properly about. The need to be, to be perfect, to get straight A's, to, to be on the best teams, to, to be getting into top colleges. They're supposed to be pretty and thin, and there's this whole lookism thing that, 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 that they're inundated with. They're supposed to have their whole life figured out, where they're going to college and their major and their career. And then there's also that whole process or the whole issue of social media. They're also bombarded with a lot of mixed messages where they're supposed to be nice but also be competitive. They're supposed to be assertive but not too assertive or not too bossy. They're supposed to be powerful but not too much because then they'll be judged as a bitch. They're supposed to be liked and accepted and fit in and be popular, but they're supposed to be themselves and to be authentic. They're supposed to be confident but not too confident. Speak op openly and assertively, but not too much because then you might cause conflict or jealousy. You're supposed to be successful, but not all that. You're supposed to take care of yourself, but also put other people's needs first. You're supposed to be a leader, but not all the way out there. So those are just a few of the ways that girls, I think, are vulnerable. A few of the things that are going on for girls. But I think it's true. Which is why, probably, that girls have, just without the pandemic, they normally have higher rates of anxiety and depression. And I think it's true that we found with, with uh, research so far on the pandemic is those people likely to be hit hardest during the pandemic are those who already have struggled with, with things like depression and anxiety or trauma symptoms, as well as people who are uh, living in communities of color who have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19. I think girls just in of themselves have higher, higher levels of anxiety than boys, especially during adolescence, anywhere from two to four times the amount as boys. Um, I think one of the reasons why all this happens is, uh, is the female brain. And I'm going to talk about two things about the female brain. One of them is that it's wired to ruminate. When girls feel things, when their emotional centers are activated in their brain, research has shown that two other parts of their brain then activate. One of them is their verbal centers, which means, that, which means in general, this is not every girl or every woman or every boy or every man, but just in general, when the, the emotional centers lit up, what they found with studies was the other one part of the brain that activated was their verbal centers, making them more likely to want to talk through 
their feelings, more so than boys. The other part of their brain that activated was the part of their prefrontal cortex that likes to process through things. And so what happens for a lot of girls and women, and some men, but more so for girls, is they ruminate. They overthink. They overanalyze. They, go, they make mountains out of molehills. They go from, they got a bad grade on a, on a test yesterday, and so they start to ruminate, and so they start wondering, about, oh my God, how's that going to affect my GPA? If my GPA goes down, I'm going to have a bad GPA. When I graduate, I'm not going to be able to get into a good college. If I don't get into a good college, I'm not going to be able to get a good job. If I don't get a good job, I'm not going to be able to make much money. I'm not going to be able to take care of myself. And they literally go from, I got a bad grade on the test in my sophomore year of high school to I'm going to be a hobo on the streets. That is not an exaggeration. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard that from girls, that line of thinking. They ruminate worst case. That's one piece of the female brain that, that causes, I think, some of the anxiety and the depression and some of the mental health issues in general and during the pandemic. The other thing about the female brain is it's wired to connect more so than the male brain. I'm, I'm a man. I'm wired to connect as well. But starting from birth... Because of the higher levels of estrogen that girls have in utero and for the rest of their lives, they have, they're, higher, they're, they're much more likely to, to be hired, excuse me, they're much more wired for connection and emotional sensitivity. And I think that the disconnection that's happened during this pandemic has hit girls hardest because of that. They feel disconnected from their friends for obvious reasons. They, can't, they haven't been able to be with them. They've lost parties and, and you know, the big get-togethers. Many of them... Um, didn't get to go back to school until last fall, uh, this, this fall, this spring. Some of them are still not back. Some of their parents are still scared and they're keeping their kids homeschooled. They also miss their teachers. There's a big sense of disconnection. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. From their teachers. They miss the in-person time with their friends. And so a lot of the girls that I work with are lonely. They feel really lonely. I've also noticed... It's interesting that when some of the girls who I've, I've seen in my office practice who went to virtual learning, you know, back last March when, it first, when the COVID thing first hit, when they started going back to school, some of them either this fall or maybe this winter, even though they were in person, a lot of them said it was weird because, you know, people are wearing masks and the desks are distant. Some schools, they send them home before lunch because they don't want them eating together or they're eating in classrooms. Some of them with like these, you know, plexiglass partitions around them spaced out and so what a lot of girls have told me is they're in, they're back in school they're excited but people aren't talking they said people aren't talking to each other they're supposed to be socially distanced in the hallways of school there's one private school i know where there are teachers patrolling the hallways with those uh uh what are those uh, those little um uh, noodles that's used in the pool in the summer that are like six feet long and they they put the host between the girls to show them to be this far apart. So they're being noodled in the hallways of school. And I think it's especially true, this social stuff, for girls and adolescents, because that's the age when they are biologically predisposed to seek independence from their families and to be more together with their friends, and they feel trapped at home. Friends take on such importance during adolescence, but it's been hard for them to reach out and most of their um, being with each other is either in school with masks on and distant or on social media, on their phones, which can be a blessing and a curse. 
So I think, I think there's good data that shows that when students have a good sense of belonging and connection when they're in school, they do better academically. They, are, they show higher levels of engagement at school. They're more motivated. And they have better mental health and better physical health. And I think they're, they've lost that sense of belonging and connection, many, many girls. I think most girls. I've seen some studies with college women and men um, that show that, you know, there's a lot of things you're supposed to be learning at, in college. To write effectively, to argue persuasively, to solve problems creatively, learn how to adapt and learn independently. All kinds of really important sort of uh, lessons for life. Lessons you're supposed to be using for life. But they found that the factor that correlates most highly with gains in these areas is the amount of personal contact that student has with their professor. Not virtual contact, but real live human being contact in person, in classrooms, uh, in faculty offices, in dining halls. That personal contact with their professor makes a huge difference in their education. And I've seen those studies with college students, and I know it's the same with kids who are in grade school, middle school, and high school. And that um, that study that I, I mentioned earlier um, also showed that. That was the NBC News uh, Challenge and Success uh, study. What they found was that um, the relationship, uh, I'm sorry, 50% of students said in their survey that the strength of their relationships with their teachers had decreased. That's half of students. 47% said the same thing about their peers that the strength of their relationship with their buddies had gone down and decreased. So about half the kids said that they were losing or had lost a lot of their relationship with their teachers. A lot of girls have been telling me also that they feel like their teachers don't understand what they're going through, what they're dealing with, especially with the virtual learning. There's been an increasing amount of homework. Um, there's a lot of days when there are some schools where, the, where they're going, you know, half the time, in person and half the time virtually. Uh, it's just a whole hybrid and a mixture of all kinds of things. Um, they feel like the, most kids feel like their workload has increased while the support has bottomed out. And they've lost a lot of their routines. Going to class in person, having the chance to talk to your teacher after class, going to help sessions to get that help. A lot of girls are missing that in-person help. When they're doing things virtually and they try and contact a teacher, a lot of times they say, it takes a long time for the teachers to get back to them. So how are you supposed to do your work when you're stuck? A lot of kids and also teachers and also adults have also started talking about what they're describing as Zoom fatigue. It takes a lot of energy to be on that screen all day. Um, our brains are, are trying to connect not with one person, like looking at a teacher and listening, but you're looking at maybe 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 people in the screen. There's 30 boxes, and our brains have been trained to, to check all of them out. So it's mentally draining for us to try and keep track of all of that. Plus, a lot of kids are just not learners like that. They don't learn by just sitting at a desk, looking at a screen without the, without the uh, sort of multisensorial learning that they need. Another, another um, factor in what's going on with girls and why they may be suffering more is that, is that kids aren't getting enough sleep. That's, that's not new, but it contributes. In the one survey I saw, only 6.6% of teenagers got the recommended nine hours of sleep per night. 
and 43% said the amount of sleep that they were getting had decreased since the time before the pandemic. I think some of that is due to the fact that they have more homework and it takes longer to do it because they're so Zoom fatigued and it's boring and it's, they're just they're less motivated and they're more distracted because they they're, they're trying to connect with their friends. And so I think all that together means they're going to bed too late, not getting enough sleep, and so everything is worse. Um, the NBC News and Challenge Success also cited a study that showed four major st- sources of stress that are cited by students. First was, was schoolwork. Grades, tests, and assessments, uh, including an overall uh, uh, increased workload. They also uh, cited a lack of sleep. They talked about time management as being a stressor. And 59% of students reported that they were worried more about colleges, getting into college, the whole college process, even higher for girls. Uh, The increased time on social media, like I said before, a blessing and a curse. The blessing is that it's been the only way a lot of the kids have had to connect, especially in that first six to nine months of the pandemic when I think, uh, you know, schools weren't in session. I think people in general were being more conscientious about no get-togethers. I remember last, last spring and summer going to several birthday party parades where people would line up in their cars and go by kids' houses, some of my campers' houses, and we would honk horns and and scream out, you know, out the windows. That was how we did birthday parties back then. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the connecting has had to be through social media, through texting, through FaceTime, which is nice to be able to see people and talk, but it's just not the same. It's just not the same. Social media and text lack the depth of in-person conversations. You don't get the emotions as well. You don't catch the vulnerability. There's less one-pointed attention because people are distracted. Um, people feel less heard, less important. Um, it's also not safe, girls tell me, to be vulnerable and open when they're doing things on social media and texting because they don't know who's on the other end. They don't know who's going to see it. It might be spread. It might be passed on to other people when they don't want to be. So it's not really safe to be totally open or to totally be yourself. I also think that whole thing about FOMO, fear of missing out, that obviously has a place in all this. We talked a minute ago about how girls ruminate. Um, and so sometimes it makes them feel more insecure when they see a picture of somebody at a sleepover and they weren't invited. They, they ruminate worst case. They go from, oh my gosh, I saw a picture on Instagram of two of my friends together. And, the, and they ruminate all the way to, I've got no friends. I'm a lonely loser. Um, that happens a lot for girls. Um, I think the time that they spend online affects every part of their development, their adolescent development, their physical development, emotional, cognitive, sexual, relational. I think in some ways it leaves girls feeling more isolated, more fragile, more self-absorbed. They compare themselves more and almost always unfavorably. I think they feel more insecure. They assume a lot. They assume a lot of negative things. They ruminate. So I think that's the curse part of social media. Another factor in this increase of mental health symptoms in girls is, is, it, is the losses that they've experienced. Sometimes it's been people in their lives. It may have been a grandparent or someone, but also just loss of events, sports teams, uh, homecoming, prom, parties, all the normal mark- markers of growing up. 
um, in my in my group of high school girls who I see every two weeks, I have uh, five seniors out of the, out of the uh, nine girls, and they talked earlier um, uh, this school year. I guess it was like last maybe November December. Um, most of them had gotten into some of the colleges that they that they had applied to or wanted to go to, and so they're like, "What what what's left? There's nothing to look forward to. There's no dances. There's no prom coming up." There's no big get-togethers. There's no homecoming. There's no football games. They can't go to basketball games, blah, blah, blah. And so they're, I think those losses were a huge drag on their spirit and their motivation. I think the pandemic has been especially hard on, on kids who are going through transition years, like going from 8th to ninth grade, starting high school, or being a 12th grader. Your big last year in high school, you have all these markers, which I already talked about. Your first year of college. They all had a picture in their minds of what, what it's going to be like to start high school, my senior year or my first year of college, and those pictures have been blown up because of the tran- uh, because of the pandemic, which made the transition harder for them into those new new uh, part of their leg or that new leg of their journey. It also made it hard for them to make friends. Part of that picture, girls told me that the good picture was was making new friends, starting over, reinventing themselves, and that's harder to do. When you're not going to class or you have a mask on. So, despite all of that, I remain optimistic. And why, you may ask, am I optimistic about, about girls and their futures? I think it's because I spend so much time with them in very intimate settings. In my one-on-one in my office counseling practice, at my weekend retreats, at my summer camps. And those retreats and summer camps and also my school programs, we sit like we sit in circles, as I've mentioned to you lots of times in my podcasts. We sit in circles and we talk and we share and we listen to each other and they tell their stories and they and they talk about things that they are trying to overcome. And I, I get a chance to to see them in a really different light. Last summer we had two weeks of our summer camp and we did all kinds of stuff. We bent over backwards to make it safe. Everybody, every kid, every camp counselor was tested um, within a, a couple days of going to camp. So you, had, you couldn't get into camp unless you had a, a negative um, COVID test. We did all kinds of cleaning things and distance, and we tried to you know, make the cabins uh, much more spaced out. We took less kids last summer. We did all kinds of things um, so that when the parents drove up, we didn't even let them out of the cars, by the way, the parents. We took the, we took the campers temperature through the window of the car if, if it was normal they came out of the car our staff t- helped them with their suitcases and once all the kids were there and all the parents left we had our bubble and so we allowed them to take off their masks and we allowed them to be kids again and it was so amazing because they were so happy they went right back to being carefree kids talking and laughing and crying and sharing and playing and and stretching and just making friends and making close friends. It was just so awesome. It didn't take but a few minutes of that to see that they're still there. The essence of them, despite all the stuff I just said in the first 20 minutes of the podcast, that that essence of that girl was still there. I've been running these kinds of retreats and camps now for 30 years. This is our 30th summer of summer camp. Uh, these are, this is our 31st year of weekend retreats. What I've learned after all these years is that when you take girls out of environments that are toxic to them, 
toxic environments like maybe school where maybe they're being bullied or left out or a lot of friend drama. There's some girls who are, who are, li- are living and growing up in homes that aren't safe for them for a lot of reasons. If they're embroiled in friend drama and don't feel safe in their friendships, when you take them out of environments like that, you put them into a, an environment like our summer camp, which is very loving and very nurturing, where the girls are accepted for who they are. They're not judged. They feel safe to share and to cry and to laugh and let their hair down and to be real. When you do that, they look fine. Even girls who are struggling with big things, they look fine when you get them around loving people, caring people, nurturing people, and they can just be who they are. It doesn't take six months of whatever. It just takes a little bit of time for them to be in a safe, loving environment. I spent a lot of time, as I mentioned a minute ago, in circles on the floor, you know, listening to girls. I'm so blown away by their courage, their openness to learn, their desire to grow. And that gives me confidence that they're going to be just fine and they're going to overcome this adversity. The other thing I've noticed is that girls desire so much to connect deeply. Several years ago, probably five or six years ago at camp, uh, one time with the high school girls, we, uh, we had some reports that some of the older girls had been talking about some partying kind of things and some boy kinds of things. And some, a couple of middle school girls had overheard that and they were kind of upset by that. So we sat down, we talked with the girls. This is only the second, this is only the second day of camp. And so what we, what we discovered was, you know, that first night at camp, you're kind of feeling a little anxious. You don't know anybody or you only know a few people, you know, you feel insecure. So the fallback was easy conversations you know, bragging kind of conversations, talking about partying or whatever. So we started calling those all these conversations. And what the girls said that they wanted during their camp week was they wanted instead to have deeper, more meaningful conversations, to get closer to people. So we started calling those whole foods conversations. I apologize to the people at Aldi's or Whole Foods if you're taking offense. They wanted those kinds of whole food conversations. So now that's become a staple at our camps is the girls know who have been before that this, this weekend or this week, they want whole foods conversations. I have seen girls at camps uh, one moment crying their eyes out because, of, because they, they're talking about having an absent parent or are, are losing their friends because of drama. And the next minute, they're being there totally for somebody else, for, for, for one of their friends. Or they, they are outside playing uh, after lunch like a little kid. I've seen how resilient they are. They can be emotional and sad and, and go through that process. And then, bam, it's like freedom. They've been freed up to be who they are. I also think that girls are hardier and they have a lot more courage than sometimes we give them credit for, especially in this time of, you know, overindulged kids and all that kind of stuff. I think there's, there is some truth to that. Um, one of our, one of our um, camp counselors uh, Mia, she's a sophomore in college. And actually, she was on one of the podcasts recently when I was talking to some college women about their experience academically, socially, emotionally with COVID, how it's affected their experience in college. And one thing she said in that podcast, if you missed that, it's a great listen. One thing she said was that she was trying to put this whole pandemic thing and their whole college experience in perspective because this all hit her you know, her second semester of her first year of college, which is, which is tough. And she said was, you know, I've, I've, I know that every generation has something. They have their thing. 
you know, like the, in World War II, the greatest generation, they, they, they always considered that and the Depression as their thing, uh, going through the, the scare of, of communism. Every generation, whether it's been uh, uh, things like in 1918, where they also had that pandemic, every generation has had something, some big adversity. And she said, what I've decided is that this is our generation's big thing. And someday, 20 years from now, we're going to look back and say, I got through that. And it made me stronger. I like the way she framed that. I read a book years ago called Vulnerable but Invincible by Emmy Werner. And she had studied kids from uh, the island of Kauai in Hawaii. And these are kids who were very poor, very disadvantaged, living in really rough, tough, unhealthy environments. But she found that, that many of them made it through. They all didn't. But the ones who made it through, she studied because they were, in her mind, vulnerable to you know, having a tough life. But they became invincible. They somehow transcended that. And one of the most important things she found of the kids who made it was they had somebody who was there for them, some adult who took them under their wing. And many times it was not a mom or a dad. It was a grandmother or a grandfather. It may have been um, an aunt, an uncle, uh, a teacher, a coach, maybe a neighbor. Somebody was there for them, and that made all the difference in the world. I remember I read a story several years ago uh, from the book The Right Words at the Right Time by Marlo Thomas. By the way, that's a great read if you like to like uh, little short stories about people. And she told a story about a woman named Nicole Hanton. And Nicole had overcome big challenges growing up because she had an alcoholic mom, and it, when she was 12, her mom shipped her off to live with her drug-addicted dad, who subsequently molested her. She returned to her mom's house, where she spent her teen years taking care of her younger brother and her mother, who was an alcoholic. Her saving grace was Laurie, the mother of her best friend. And she became that supportive adult I mentioned a minute ago. Nicole found out that this woman had also grown up with abusive parents, but she had survived, and she had a good marriage, and she had flourished and one day, this woman gave her advice that changed her life. She said, Nicole, your life is like a train. And you're riding down a certain set of tracks. But here's the incredible thing. Even though your childhood has gone one way, you can always jump that set of tracks and follow your own. And it dawned on Nicole, that girl, that she could, she could make her own choices in life, ones different than her parents. And that gave her the hope that she needed to move on and to carry on. Today, as an adult, she works for a rape crisis center and with kids, uh, I'm sorry, with Child Protective Services, where she shares her mentor Lori's invaluable advice. I have hope that, that our girls will find, seek out, discover people in their lives who will mentor them, be there for them. It's amazing how, how girls are, are so good at doing that. The other thing I think that's important to that makes me op optimistic about girls is that they need autonomy, more autonomy. They need to figure out what they do have control over. And I think there's been good research that shows that when parents parent by giving their kids more autonomy, more choice, that there's some great benefits. It improves the family cohesion. It helps kids cope and be more resilient. Kids are just uh, have better well-being. So I think that Hopefully, um, parents listening to this, make sure you're giving your kids more chances to make decisions and have more choices and more say-so and have more autonomy. 
during this pandemic when a lot of things don't feel like they're under, under their control because they're not. I'm going to talk a little bit more in future podcasts about what we can do about girls and anxiety and depression and things. But in this podcast, I want you mostly to be aware of your daughter's vulnerability and to be there for her, to listen, give her undivided time, give her support, be empathetic, listen to her, her stories about what this is doing to her, how this is affecting her. I think a lot of girls have been telling me that their parents are kind of depressed and their parents are stressed out or their parents are worried about losing jobs and they're so and so they're internally distracted so they feel like sometimes their parents don't seem available even if they're there physically so make sure you are there emotionally and when you're with your daughters be there at 100 percent. you can't be there 100 percent every every second of every day but when you are with them when you're eating meals when you're driving in the car when you're playing games when you're doing stuff Make sure you put your phones away and, you get, and you're there at 100%. I have a lot of experience in the past 30 or so years of working with girls in all those different settings. And so that gives me hope. I've seen girls over those years you know, overcome lots of different kinds of adversities and end up being very successful uh, young adults and adults. A lot of my campers now are in their 30s and 40s, my ex-campers. Um, which is, has been amazing to watch them grow up. That gives me hope for the future. Let me, let me leave you with a couple of quotes. I think also maybe it will give you hope and optimism about our daughters overcoming this pandemic. The first one goes like this, and I've mentioned this, I think, once before in a podcast, but it's one of my favorite quotes. And once the storm is over, you won't remember how you made it through, how you managed to survive. But one thing is certain. When you come out of the storm, you won't be the same person who walked in. That's what this storm is all about. Your daughters are going to be growing through this. They're going to be gaining some, some confidence and some skills. They're going to be gaining some perspective, maybe some gratitude. But they're definitely going to be doing some growing as they learn how to overcome this pandemic and all that's brought to us. So remember that. It's not all bad. Here's, here's one of my favorite quotes from A. Milne, who is a, a creator of Winnie the Pooh. If ever there is tomorrow when we're not together, there is something you must always remember. You are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. But the most important thing is, even if we're apart, I'll always be with you. I'd make sure your daughters feel that kind of love, unconditional love, Make sure that they feel like you are there for them, that you are a good listener, that you can empathize with what they're going through, that you get it. You get them and you get it. Last but not least, my final quote, and then we'll, we'll stop this podcast. This is a quote by Israel, Israel Moore Aivor. One word can end a fight. One hug can start a friendship. One smile can bring unity and one person can change your entire life. And I added on to this quote by saying, and one girl can change the world. Even if you see your daughter struggling at times during this pandemic, I would have faith that she is going to get through it. She's going to be stronger and better off for it. And that in some way, it's going to positively affect her life. 
That's what happens with most of us with adversities. We can look back as adults and go, ah, that makes sense. And even though at the time it was horrible, I'm glad I went through it because of what I learned by it and how I grew from it. So keep that in mind. And also make sure that you are being there for your daughters and for yourself. Thank you for stopping by here every week or two for these podcasts and also the blogs that I write. You can get all those at my website at www.drtimjordan.com. I do appreciate your listening in. I also appreciate your comments, so please send those. And thank you also. I know lots of people are sharing these because they, there's something that they may resonate with. So I really appreciate that as well. I will be back in a few weeks. Take good care of yourselves and love and hug your daughters lots.